Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Not all reluctant readers are struggling readers. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. There is no overstating the role of the library. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Once a uh, lover of toilet humor, always a lover of toilet humor, I guess. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. If someone gives me a book now, I'm appalled. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about reluctant readers. Reluctant. Did you have any reluctant? You have three kids, all of whom read. Yes, I have a reluctant reader. I mean, they're all... I don't have any kid who's like, hooray, reading, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are those kids out there. I do have one kid who's like, hooray, reading. You do? Yeah. Taught herself to read at four, loves to read, huge reader. There are there are those kids, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just, it's, and this is the thing. Don't take any credit. Like, uh, it's totally random in my life that my kid is that kid. She's like the kid in kindergarten. We went to her, um, you know, student teacher meeting and the teacher was like, well, it's good because if I have to do something, I can get Peggy to read to the class. <laughs> like, She's that kind of like super reader kindergarten kid. But my oldest didn't really start reading fluently until he was in second grade, probably. I was actually a very early reader, but I but bet you were all of my I, I and you know when they do you know they call they call that hyperlexic? Yes. I didn't know that until like last year. Uh, and it's not necessarily, you know, all good. The people, kids who are hyperlexic can have uh, other deficiencies. Well, I want to start out with some fun facts about reading. Okay, go ahead. I feel like this is the kind of thing, it's one of those topics like travel soccer that makes people mostly just feel bad about themselves. And there's really no reason for that. Most children read at six or seven. That's the average time that kids learn to read. Yeah. Many kids learn to read at four or five. But being an early reader does not make you a better reader in the long term. And most kids catch up to their peers in reading by second or third grade. That's what happened with my kids. That's It's borne out for me. I feel like there is that thing of on the Facebook page, we asked people about this and we got lots of great suggestions for books. But I always talk about going to people and saying, oh, so give me some ideas of what your kid is reading, you know? And people are always like, oh, my kid just finished off the seventh Harry Potter book and they're three years old. And, you know, we're starting on the Odyssey next. Like it it tends to become a little bit of this keeping up with the Joneses thing reading. And there's really no reason to dial into it because statistically and scientifically, it does not bear out over time that if your four-year-old reads all of Harry Potter, they're going to be better off in third grade than a kid who doesn't read at all. Right. I guess that's true. And, and my, my, um, my daughter who has been a reluctant reader and she's kind of come around, she was definitely certainly aware of who the kids were in her pre-K class who could read already. Yeah. And those, and those kids are still sort of marked by their peers that, Oh, they're, they're the really smart ones. They can rattle off the two or three. They're the ones who are super smart and they've been deemed super smart for time immemorial because they were the first readers and they and they are going to be smart but that doesn't mean doesn't mean nobody else is smart. Right, it's just I just think reading is one of the many things these days that becomes like a foot race and it just feels like that's not really what reading is. Reading is a lifelong pleasure. And <laughs> relax everyone. If you say so, mom, it's a lifelong mm, pleasure. I I mean 
I don't remember what kind of reader I was as a kid at all. I was the third kid in three years, and there's not a lot of documentation about my childhood. And I don't, I, I don't even have a lot of memories about it myself. So <laughs> I have no idea what kind of reader it was. I was never a great student overall. I was never one of the super smart kids and never, you know, was a standout student. But I love to read. I mean, I love to read everything now, but I, I feel like my love of reading came later in life, and that's fine. I just know that for myself, I get caught up in the like, da, 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 these kids are ahead, these kids are behind. Like, I, I'm trying very hard for myself to let some of that stuff go. And reading is a great area to, to do that in because it's not a real thing. Well, I'll take the other side of that slightly, which is that that not all reluctant readers are struggling readers. Yes. You know, some, sometimes they're just kids who really like to be active and they read fine, but they'd rather be jumping on the couch. Right. But, but I do think that um, reluctant reading can lead to struggling reading, which can lead to more reluctant reading. It can be a um, self-fulfilling, not a prophecy, but like a, a cycle. Of, no, of, you of make a good point. You have to make a distinction between a kid who's just not reading yet because they haven't caught the reading bug and a kid who's not reading yet because they're having some sort of actual processing problem as a reader. That's a different issue. Yeah. I just think the thing of like, oh no, my kid is doomed for life because this other kid in their kindergarten just finished off the Harry Potter series and my kid is still reading Pete the Cat is not a thing. Pete but, the Cat. Oh, Pete the Cat. Let's go back to Pete the Cat because because many, many of our Facebook people said Pete the Cat. And my, my sister has a couple of kids at this age and she just is like, the, the Pete the Cat thing, like those books. She has a son named Peter, so he receives a lot of mm. Pete the Cat I guess there are Legion Pete the Cat books, and she's like, I, I don't, I don't get them. Their their appeal eludes me, but they are named over and over again as a um a go to early reader. Yeah, definitely an emerging my reader early reader loved Pete the Cat. I think they're very accessible. They're kind of like the new like see spot run. You know, they're the book that's like see spot run run spot. It's easy to follow, short words and. Yeah, I think they're just very accessible, and I think that's what makes them so appealing. So the appeal is good. I think another problem from maybe maybe this is just an issue I have, but so many of the um, books that are me meant to appeal to our kids and which show up in those take-home book fair things that they bring back mm -hmm. are just so junky. Uh, like – they're just novelizations of of the Bratz movie, right? Or no, let's go back. Well, let's not say that because yes. one of the people on this podcast wrote the Bratz movie. <laughs> yes, a novelization. They're just like novelizations of the Emoji movie. Okay, but let me say, back off and back up. I'm going to fight you on this one. Okay, my oldest has always been a great sounder out of words. Like when he was two, decoding. He could spell strawberry when he was 18 months old. Like he's been a great, he's got a great sense of sounds and letters, but his decoding has always been a huge problem. Like reading comprehension is much oh, well, harder well. for uh -huh. him than, so yeah, it's not decoding. It's reading comprehension. That he's right, right. With. Decoding is the strawberry thing. And he's th right. The piece of the puzzle that's been missing for him is the visualization element. To take the words on the page and see what's happening is hard for him. And I unlocked his love of reading like a movie, like uh, open the door and here it is by getting novelizations of movies that he's already seen because it's so much easier for him to read it. And it's like, it's bringing back the pictures that he's already seen rather than making him create pictures. That part was really hard for him. That makes a lot of sense. Like to picture Hogwarts and picture a train that takes you there and this half platform that you have to walk through. His mind was missing that piece of being able to visualize it. And so it was just like a series of words that were boring for him. But if I got him the novelization of any of the Pixar movies that he's seen, emoji movie, whatever it is, we have read every single movie novelization that has ever been written, basically. And now we're just, he's reading Coco right now. That has really boosted his learning. I, I think I've said this before and it sounds bonkers, but like I had a kid who really struggled with this. When we first started reading like that, I made, I printed out on the computer um, uh, pictures. We, the first one we did was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And I printed out all the characters in the movie and I put them on popsicle sticks. And as we read the novel, I would, you know, we would pick them up and almost act the movie out as we were reading it. But it really 
helped him see what was great about reading. And now he's a much less reluctant reader. Well, okay. So that you, I feel like you brought up sort of like six things we could right. talk about. The no, the novelization book thing. I mean, you're right. And some of them are terrible, but I guess the point is if your kid really, really loves the, um, the Batman, the Lego Batman um, picture book story, which somebody wrote in about 45 seconds. That's what I hate about them, I guess, is they're so, yeah. they're so bad. I think that's got to be undercutting our goal of making our kids want to read more because they pick up the Batman book and it's terrible. But, but if they love it, then, then it's, um, then, then you're getting what you want. I well, guess. and I'm talking about not like the cartoon versions, like the Magna, whatever that's called version of it. I'm talking about the actual novelization. So it's like a 20 chapter novel that tells the story of the movie. And that like took away a lot of the intimidation of novel reading for my son. And there's no pictures in it at all. So he still has to create the pictures, but like the pictures are already there for him because he saw the movie. Got it. Very helpful for him. That's Not interesting. Not the cartoony version. There was a New York Times article just last month or two months ago when the movie Wonder came out, mm-hmm. which all my kids read, and then we went to the theater and they they loved it. But this article, which I'll put a, a link up to on our show page, talked about make sure your kids read the book before they see the movie. This is sort of making the opposite point for for another sort of reader, I guess, that, that the the point of reading is to imagine – it's about a kid named Augie who has facial deformity, and the first page of it says, um, I'm not going to bother telling you what I look like. Just just imagine something, and then it's even worse than that. And then, then mm-hmm. there's sort of clues as the book go on, goes on that his ear looks like this and his eye looks like that. And it was making the, the point of um, kids kids need to have the ability to sort of imagine this for themselves before they see the sort of reductive movie version of here's here's the answer of the thing you had to create. It well, that's right. And I both think – true. And- and for me, having developed that skill in my son of, okay, this is how reading works. See, it's the words and you picture what's going on. Now we do some where we read it and then go see the movie. Uh-huh. You know, And so it's like, okay, see, now it works in reverse. So uh-huh. they're both important parts of it. Now that you have taught him the skill in one direction, he can use it in the other direction because he grasps the concept. Yes, exactly. I that's like the, that. That's the idea. I like that. Very helpful for us. Um, what, one thing one thing I think is sort of an issue, too, in this time is that as we seem to come to the conclusion every week that you have to model the behavior that you want your kids to be exhibiting. Oh, if you that want, is an annoying conclusion that we reach almost we, every time. Every, every week. If you want uh, your kids not to yell at each other, then you need to stop yelling at your kids. If yeah, you want your so kids annoying. to read, you need to model reading and so much of our reading that we do these days or I'll speak for myself that I do is on my phone. I might yeah. be reading an article or a or a book but it's on my phone and you and I both know Susan Dominus, she writes for the New York Times and she wrote a really good article called Motherhood Screened Off a couple years back and it's not about reading but she she made the point this is a quote from her. When my mother was curious about the weather, I saw her pick up the front page of the newspaper and scan for the information. All my kids see is me on my iPhone intently focused on something mysterious and decidedly not them. And I think she's right. And so one thing that I've tried to do in my life is we do still uh, subscribe to the paper, newspaper, and you know have magazines, have things like that around the house. And I, I try to model for my kids reading something, <laughs> reading anything. Yeah. Real. Although I, I, I would maybe counter agree a little bit that that's, that might be a little bit of a losing battle. I mean, I, I just think the future is not about paper. And so maybe narrating the thing that you're doing, like, Oh, let me just check the weather. Okay. Here's the weather. Right. But that's I'm right. That's sure that like, I'm going to subscribe to USA Today so that I can model like looking at the weather. It's just, it's, it's like, it's a buy. It's like, Oh, here, I'm taking your picture with my phone. Let me go get out my Kodachrome camera. Like, it's, it's just a bygone technology. Well, it is and it isn't because, well, so you, you, you said something that I forgot to say that Sue says in that article that you need to narrate what you're doing on your phone. I'm just checking Google Maps for, um, you know, which subway line we should take and then I'm going to put it away or, you know, tell them what you're reading. But if I have the, if I have the newspaper out and there's an article about, it has to be the stuff my kids are already interested in. The New York Jets for my kid who loves the Jets. Uh, the Knicks for my kid who loves the Knicks. And anything that's about dance or um, Harry Potter for my for my kid who likes those things. I save the article. I leave it out. There was there was an article in the Times over the weekend about an eight foot seventeen year old basketball player that's being sort of groomed for the NBA. 
but he like can't sit down or walk or like eat. Right. Like, he's, got, he's got huge Giant. problems, but he's going to be a huge star. And I, so I save those articles for my kids. I cut them out and put them on their beds. And, and I try to talk about what, what I think is good about print newspaper. And I agree. I'm like a dinosaur here is that I wouldn't have found that article about the eight foot teenager if I didn't happen upon it. And so, so that, that sort of, um, what do I want to call it? Like the blissful accident, happen, happy accident of happening upon something that's really interesting to you and leaving it out for somebody. I think it's a nice gesture, although you're right. My kids would rather keep looking at YouTube. Yeah. I mean, there's a, one, one thing that I will say that we do about this is the beloved whiteboard that I used for so many things. Speaking of things we like to talk about on this podcast. You know, menu planning, <laughs> whatever. One of the things we've started building into that afternoon schedule is a half an hour of reading time. And I sit and read when they're reading. And we use Kindles. And- I, I've been so anti-Kindle, but I just had a long conversation with a friend where she said, no, no, they're much more book-like than you think. They really oh, do. Oh, they create- are. They're very... And, and they, they, I'm, I'm, I'm talking the kids get like the $29 Kindle. It's like the very like... It doesn't light up. It doesn't have anything else on it but books. It's expensive because then the kids are like, can I get this? Can I get this? Can I get this? And I have to sort of monitor like you, what, how many books a week they can get. And they have to prove they've read one before they can get another. But I have found it's really good for encouraging reading. They finish one. They want to get something new. You know, they're always coming to me. Oh, can we, can I get this? Can I get this? And so, you know, we've had to put some parameters in place where it's not just about buying stuff. You've got to read it and then read one before you can buy the next and whatever else. But that's been great for my readers. And so I sit with my Kindle too. I, I, if someone gives me a book now, I'm appalled. I'm like, why would you give me this heavy thing full of pages? This is terrible. I'm just the opposite. Like I, I, I do, I use the Kindle app and I'm just like, but then I forget it's, if it's, if I don't see it, then I forget it's oh, no, you, there. It, you shouldn't, I could never read on my phone. Okay. You have to have a Kindle. It's a All different, right. if it's, a, it's a different entity. All right. When's your birthday? It's August. Oh, maybe I'll get you a Kindle this year. It's a really different sensation to... And it's funny because you tap the button on the side to turn the pages and I find myself, I'm like, oh, I was reading my book and I was flipping through it. And instead of doing the motion where I would look like I'm turning pages, I'll say I'm flipping through it and I'm motioning with my thumb. Like I'm pressing an invisible button with my thumb. <laughs> I'm totally all in on the Kindle. Um, there's there's actually a new kind of Kindle. There's there's two new ones. One's called The Voyage and one's called The Oasis. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put links to them up on our show page because they also have audible audiobook capability right on the, mm. you know, right on the, what I want to say, the dock, so to speak. And uh, on the doohickey thingy. Yes, on the doohicker thing to do. And uh, that that's that that's great for your kids who enjoy those. So I'm going to put a link up on our show page. And if you want to support if our podcast, to buy me a present, shopping. I want one. Because what I find is I'm reading, I listen to a ton of podcasts as a podcaster, but I always have a podcast on when I'm in the shower and I would love to like, I'm reading my book. Let me listen to it in the shower. Then I'll get back to it. But if I had an audio, I got to get turned on to audiobooks. Audiobooks. Let's talk about audiobooks because okay. I actually did a little research. As you know, I talk about this all the time. My daughter is really, really into them. And I've turned to them too as something to use on my commute. Uh, sometimes podcasts and sometimes books. Um, and I, I wondered if that was sort of cheating a little bit. No. She she devours I think she's listened to sixteen books since September on her um on the Audible app on not I, cheating. She is an old she is an old phone of mine. Like this is even cheaper than the Audible. Take take your old cracked phone that's sitting in a drawer that doesn't have a data plan anymore and you can still connect to Wi Fi and they can download books. Um and it's it isn't cheating. I looked I looked this up. I went on understood.org, which is a great resource. You didn't even have to look it up. I could have told you. All right, I should, I should have now go you. ahead. Well, so I went to Jamie Martin, the assistive technology consultant. Um, he knows all about dyslexia and reading issues, and he says that it's it's good for a couple of reasons. He says listening to audiobooks isn't cheating because the main pers- purpose of reading is to get information. It doesn't matter what path the information takes to the brain. It's just getting information. And then I thought, well, yeah, but my my kid did struggle with the decoding, the strawberry you know the words that make mm-hmm. that up her her comprehension is great her decoding was uh, she was was something she was struggling with and i thought well the audiobook thing we're just kind of leaning in to the to the vogue that her strengths and not and not the decoding part but for kids who struggle with decoding 
they're putting, he says, they're putting all their effort into sounding out the words. It's hard for them. And so they're not, they're not grasping what they're reading because each word is a struggle. And when you take that away and let them just engage with the story and the characters, they grasp it in a much, you know, more easy and, and deeper way. So now I feel great about it. I, I could not agree with that person more. There's a, um, there's a reading specialist named Linda Flanagan who wrote an article for KQED, which is a public radio station. I'll put this up on the show page too. And she suggested, I thought this was a really good idea, that for a kid who struggles with um, decoding stuff, that you let them listen to the, the book on tape, the audio book, and then read it. This it's is for- like my trick. Yeah. So that would be good for my guy. Like instead of watching the movie, listen to it and then read it. Read it. Right. And for older kids, my son actually did this. He's a freshman in high school. He's got a ton of homework. He had to read a novel for religious studies um, that was – he was finding it a little bit of a grind. And so um, – and he also said, I'm a slow reader. And he is. He's a slow reader because he said he sort of stops and, and lets his you know mind sort of wander off and create pictures and he gets, he gets off the page. So he downloaded the audio book and listened to it and read it. And he found that he, it pulled him through the book much more quickly. He's reading along with the audiobook? Yes. He downloaded the audiobook oh, and read it. And he, he said that he- I'm going to do that with my guy. Yeah, that it was faster for him. My, my 10-year-old, I've tried to get her to do that. She finds that it's a little bit too fast for her. But mm. this kid's in high school. So, um, and as you know, you can adjust how fast the person's reading. Right. Um, you can turn it to that lower level. Yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 helps, that helps pull them through the book. He actually read the book more quickly for having done both at the same time and felt like he- grasped it more too because of course the narrator is giving all this sort of oomph to it that when they're decoding it they're not they're not getting i want to focus on a couple of things before we break okay because i think the overall idea of reading can so quickly become my kids got to catch up the ball's rolling away everybody's better than us and i i urge you listeners, with all that I am and all that I have, to focus, especially on your early readers, with cultivating in them a love of reading. So, for example, people talk all the time, it was like reading books to babies. Like, why would you read a book to a baby? A baby doesn't understand a book. Like, it's ridiculous. But that sensation that the baby has of sitting cozy in your lap and hearing a story and there's funny pictures and they'll laugh, like you start really early with reading is a joyful thing. And I think all of the, yes, if your kid is struggling, get a reading expert to help them figure out what the missing pieces are, solve the reading problems. But for most people, and I found this on WebMD and it made a lot of sense to me, this age breakdown, age four to five, learning pre-reading skills. So starting to identify letters and sounds, pre-reading skills, ages five to 10. So I only have a nine-year-old. So, (laughs) and all my kids are reading, but ages five to 10, learning to read. Ages 11 to 13, reading to learn. Yeah. And then that, and so that, those parameters made a lot of sense to me. You should not have a nine-year-old who is literally learning to read, sounding out sounds, but learning to read, learning how to decode, learning reading comprehension, filling in the gaps, like figuring out, um, what does my son always say? Um, when he's reading nonfiction, you know, they'll have a little essay about, you know, Victoria Falls, and then he has to answer questions about it. He was saying, wait, what's Victoria Falls? You know, uh, whatever. I'm just using Victoria Falls in Africa, like, or whatever, or about <laughs> like Mount Victoria Falls in Africa. Okay. You know, but he, he'll have- <laughs> Whatever it is. You, you, your kids get the little, like, six-paragraph essay about Niagara Falls or the Empire State Building, and it's just full of facts. Yes. And then it asks them six questions about what they read. So they're starting to learn that thing of decoding language. But he's always saying to me, I'm saying, okay, now, who discovered Victoria Falls? And he's like, let me go back and reference the text, because <laughs> that's <laughs> obviously something they've taught him. But- even now, my, my son has to read um, a book and do a book report, second grader. He's reading like a 16-long chapter book, and it's he's reading Humphrey the Hamster, which is an adorable book. But at nighttime, we get in bed together. We get all cozy down. We take turns. We do funny voices. Like for me, I just always try to keep the focus on reading is joyful. 
And to the degree they're struggling with it, reading can be a little bit like, uh, you got to figure this out and you got to learn it. But reading is not a race. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to introduce your kids to. And that's the reading that we haven't even really talked about the reading to your kids. I mean, you're just sort of making that part and parcel, but it's sort of the most important thing, right? When they're little, you, not even when they're little. I mean, I was still reading Harry Potter books to my kids when they were. I think like 11 and nine, we were still doing it. And then it kind oh, of fell I'm by the wayside. I'm still reading to all my kids. Nine, as long seven, as possible. Five, I'm still reading to them because they like the part where like, you take this part, I take this part and I do like funny accents. And right. it's, you know, it's just, it makes it a fun experience. But I also do think it's the kind of thing where if you, you have to schedule it in the day. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about tips from our Facebook uh, followers. Yeah, I got some and- tips for older, older kids who are reluctant readers and uh, the books that you guys told us are the ones that get your kids reading. So we're going to take this break and then we'll be back with that. Thanks, guys. A lifetime of reading is a sheer joy. But full disclosure, there are some less than joyful moments along the way. The wonders of the library. Ma'am, you've had Secrets of the Jedi Visual Dictionary checked out for 17 weeks. That will be $57. The nights of reading aloud to your first grader. And then in the lane there was ra, ra. That's it. Sound it out. Sound it out. There was a ra, ra, Oh, for God's sake. It's rabbit. Rabbit. Let's move on. Your boys start to pick out their own books. Have you picked out a book, honey? Tonight, let's read The Super Farting Stink Monster Attacks Toilet Town. Oh, really? The school reading log. I told the teacher that you said the school reading log was nonsense, and I should just make it up. And she seemed pretty mad. Oh, no. The, whoa, that was a birthday miscalculation. I know how much you liked the first book in this series, so look, honey, we got you the entire box set for your birthday. Books? As a birthday present? This is so unfair. Reading. It might be kind of bad before it gets good. <laughs> Why are you trying to ruin my life? Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's 
H-E-R-O.co and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, we're back. We're back. Before I hope you did some reading during the break. I, exactly. Let me just You should have my, polished off a novel while we were doing that dog commercial my page. comedy bit. I wanted to, to give a um, a shout out to our listener, Nicole, who had a really good tip for sort of kids of any age that I wanted to, to mention before we got to the older kids tips. She said she goes and finds books in the library that seem like her kid would really get them. And then she places them strategically around the house. And then rather her kid being told to read them, he stumbles <laughs> upon them and thinks reading them was his idea, not hers. That is a clever idea. It gives me a lot of funny... Um imagery like of mom like salting the house with like books in every nook but there is no overstating the role of the library the library tuesdays is library day for us we go to the library after school yeah the library is just a game changer i mean the library is the room where it happens like the kids look forward to going to the library i can't believe i'm gonna get to find a book that i like and again I try not, I will occasionally, my son was talking a lot about Babe Ruth for some reason. He got into like the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so I immediately went and got that book, um, you know, those who is, and they've got like a funny big headed yes. caricature of the person who is. And so I found who is Babe Ruth at the library. Hey, you were talking a lot about Babe Ruth. Here's a perfect book for you. Yeah. Fine. So sometimes I help. <laughs> my, my middle guy is just a wacky kid and a hilarious guy, but for some reason, he went through a phase where he was really into like warring animals. So he would always, <laughs> we're drawing, he would always say, could you draw a whale getting attacked by an orca while an octopus fights them? Like, and he just would have these like crazy images in oh his head gosh. of these animals fighting. And it was hilarious, but possibly to an outsider, slightly disturbing. And so I early on told my kids, you can go to the library and there's a nice children's section and ask them to help you find a book about what you're interested in. And then I, my son would go up and be like, do you have books about trucks crashing? And I'm like, okay, so you're banned from talking to the librarian ever again. He would literally be like, do you have books Fiery. about sharks attacking beaches? And I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. I'm, I'll talk to the librarian for you. You have to pass every request for the librarian through me first, because I was pretty sure that she was going to call Child Protective Services on me. But let's take a moment for libraries. I mean, you can have all the books you want. They're free. Just bring them back when you're done and you can get more. Like they're, they're unbelievable places that they exist. What, what else is like a library? It's the best. And my kids, like right now, all three, my oldest son got into Garfield, the comic. Oh, God, really? Way in. <laughs> Why don't you steer them towards Calvin and Hobbes? That's a, that's I tried. A more, yeah. I bought them Calvin and Hobbes for Christmas. They're like, nope, it's Garfield. Garfield. Okay. But I will say we were definitely into Garfield as kids because when I graduated from fifth grade, my brother gave me a stuffed Garfield for my fifth grade graduation and it was the treasure of my life. So I feel like they're on pace. My fourth grader loves Garfield. Speaking Fine. of appeal that eludes me, but okay. But this is my point. Whatever they want to read is what they want to read. Right. I don't get into like, no, no, the other, oh gosh, you have to read this. Da, da, da. No. My daughter really likes to read graphic novels. Yeah. Not like the super duper, like hardcore comic books, but there, I mean, there's, there's tons and two that I think are not particular, are actually very, have great literary merit and, and she really loved them were the Amulet series 
and um, anything by Raina Tegelmeyer. She wrote one called Smile, and she wrote another one called Drama, um, and and my daughter won't put them down. And as you say, like, that's, that's what you're, that's what you're trying to get at, right? The, the goal is the, is the excitement. Um, my greatest book for my daughter who was an early reader, but the princess in black series. Oh yeah. Like a five, six, seven year old girl. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. They're great. My daughter liked those too. I actually read every single one of them. I actually asked my daughter for, for tips because Sometimes kids give you the best tips on how to handle kids. And she said, I said, what would you say uh, to a parent with a reluctant reader? And she said, help them find a series, which is obvious, but let's make that point. She said, if they read the first book of the series and they love it, then they'll get hooked and they'll read the whole thing. Another thing that I read was actually good for, for older kids was, this is like for teenage readers, is fan fiction. Which, which is just like what you were saying for your oldest child, but the teenage version. If you have a teenager who loves uh, Twilight, then let them read Twilight fan fiction. Or um, when you say fan fiction, <laughs> I picture something that happens in like the dark recesses of the internet. Like, what do you mean by fan fiction? <laughs> there's there's lots of Harry Potter fan fiction. People people take the characters from a show that they love, a TV show or a novel, and they write new. Um, fiction with those characters in it. Okay, but don't have them Google fan fiction because fan fiction has a, a another connotation as well. Well, don't have your kids Google anything unless you're right. unless <laughs> you're sitting there. But I think of fan fiction as like um, romantic repairings of the characters, shall we say? Oh, okay. Like, and like I'm fi- trying to keep it keep it uh, um, kid friendly for the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, like. Fifty Shades of Repairing. Yes, like Fifty Shades of Harry Potter kind of. Uh, I think you're right. I think you would have to rather carefully sort of prune it. Curate this, yeah. I'm I'm worried about just giving the suggestion. Go check out some fanfic, right? Because I think that's going to be a real weird swamp. It have to be. It have to be by teens for teens, uh, you know, or by twelve year old girls for twelve year old girls. Like reimaginings of the stories, not just like descriptions of the couplings. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Another fun thing, and we happen to live in a town that has a great one, but I think a lot of places have this, maybe not for like people who are really in super rural areas, but a lot of cities have, um, LA when we lived there had an amazing one. And, um, the town I live in has an amazing one, which is great is children's book fairs. We went and a lot of children's authors come and it's really fun. We went, um, and, you know, then you go and you say, this is the guy who wrote the book that you love. And they get to meet them, sign copies. And that has been really fun. And there's always like wild things walking around. And it's very like, it's a day about the love of books, which is just a fun thing to participate in. The Los Angeles Book Festival is just amazing if you're anywhere near Los Angeles. Um, I, I We get to do that in New York too. take our kids just to book signings and things. And I agree. My my son got to meet the uh, Captain Underpants author, oh, illustrator, my son and he was would, mute. He was my mute. son would be mute. I Struck mean, mute and, and, and just like mouth hanging open. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of Captain Underpants, I feel we must address the books for boys about pooping and farting. Ugh, I hate them. I know. Yes, we hate them. But to the theme... They, my boys have loved them. And when we asked on the Facebook page, what gets your kids reading? A lot of people uh, cited those Dav, his name's Dav Pilkey, who writes those Captain Underpants, Dog Man, Cat Kid, all those books. And, and my son last year at the Children's Book Festival picked up a book called The Butt Book. And it's just a long book about, you know, pooping and farting. <laughs> this year he wanted to go back because he knew there was a sequel out and it's all, I can't even remember what it's called. It's like farting or something, but listen, he loves to read them and stay with our true North of a rule. What your kid loves to read is what they should be reading. I think that, I think the captain underpants books are actually 
adorable. And there's a really good Netflix movie actually based on them. That's really, that's really cute and got my kids sort of belly laughing. It was very, very inventive. I think that they, they go down from there, that there's some, there's some other ones that are really just terrible. Um, not, not inappropriate, just like so stupid. The Captain Underpants ones have that sort of underlying, um, boy friendship creativity thing that's really. Yeah, they're very clever. They're really naughty, clever. but in a very like loose right. way. And then some of them sure. are just naughty, but, but, yeah. uh, I don't know. As long as they, I also feel like it helps us have that conversation about what's appropriate and inappropriate and. I'm I'm team if your kid loves to read it and it as long as it is not actually inappropriate that's what they should be reading. I I will say that there comes a point, right? My uh my 5th 6th grader was still pulling those Captain Underpants books off his bookshelf like no, you're not we're not reading that again. It's time to read yeah. something <laughs> new. Those are for little boys. But yeah. you know, once once a uh, lover of toilet humor, always a lover of toilet humor, I yeah. guess. A, a couple people um suggested the Magic Tree House books yeah those are huge they they are um i mean i think they're very well done they're they're perfectly written for their for the emergent reader but it it introduces so many topics and then there's one about pandas and there's one about abraham lincoln there's one there's ones about everything yes again my crazy kid likes the disaster ones like we've read earthquake volcano tornado like he only likes the disasters there's there's another series that my um all my kids have loved in this sort of nine to 12 year old range, the you wouldn't want to be books. Do you know these, these Never ones? Heard of them. I love them too. They're, they're kind of graphic novels, but they're, they're nonfiction and they're all, you wouldn't want to be on an Irish famine ship. You wouldn't want to build the Egyptian pyramids. And it's all, it's all hmm. like stuff you really wouldn't, you really wouldn't want oh, to have been at the Boston really, Tea Party. Really like, he might really like that. They're so, they're so funny. They're so, you know, they're, and they're so full of, of really fascinating tidbits. And so my daughter and I read, though, you wouldn't want to be on an Irish famine ship. And now we're into like finding documentaries about the Irish famine because, um, this book is so, so interesting. So they, I find that they're a great way in to nonfiction and finding topics that then they can do a deeper dive on. Yeah, that's fun. And I think, we have just started scratching the surface of nonfiction. I have mine are, you know, nine, seven, and five. My and nonfiction is fun, but it's a different it's a whole different category. Yeah. This one this one manages to make it fun and just a little bit gross and a little bit silly and also chock full of stuff. I come home and tell my husband, would you believe that there was this one ship? And I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like them because I learn a lot. And I think that that funny part and that element of someone suggested Shel Silverstein, which, you know, I mean, I grew up on those books and love them so much, but the silliness and the funniness of books is a great thing to just tap into. And there's so many of them, but like, even for little kids, my kids loved, we had a book called You Should Definitely Not Take an Alligator to School. And it's just the, the the silliness of children's literature is so much fun. A lot of people suggested Mo Willems. His, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I think we might have read every single one of his the books. The Piggy and Elephant. And, and um, my, my favorite one of his is Nuffle Bunny. Ugh, we love the pigeon books. We've read every single pigeon book. I mean, he's fantastic. He he's just, so great. He just gets it, right? He just gets yeah. the, the five-year-old laugh button and he knows how to push it. Yeah. He really yeah. does. Um, my friend Susan suggested uh, anything by American Girl, which I agree. The American Girl books are fabulous and they have um, – they, they, They'll do ones that are sort of research. My daughter's reading the one about Nanea right now, who's a, a Hawaiian girl alive during the, the invasion of Pearl Harbor. So it's all this stuff about what it was like to live during World War II on Hawaii, which is interesting. But then they have this whole sort of lighter thing. What kind of friend are you? Quiz book. And here's, mm. you know, some spa amazing things to try with your friends. And, and she gobbles up all of those too. So they offer both the, um, <laughs> the entree and the appetizer sort of reading, if you see what I'm saying, but she, they're all yeah. well written and she loves them. And I, I think also it brings you into a whole other category of stuff, which is having conversations with your kids. And, you know, when does Pearl Harbor and war and those kind of things come up, you know, they come up around a lot of things, but it's great for them to read about stuff and start, you know, it's a big world. And sometimes our kids' worlds can get a little bit small. And my, um, husband's grandfather who's turning 90 this year he's uh from a small town in texas and he always says you know he grew up 
um, I don't even know if he graduated from high school, started a business when he was like 17, you know, but he is a voracious reader. And he always says, I've been all over the world because I read and he's learned everything about the world. And I think that for, it's just a wonder of reading. And for kids, I find when I know what they're reading and we're talking about what they're reading, it sparks all sorts of really interesting conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It widens their world in such a magical way. It really does. You know, but don't widen it into weirdo fantasy <laughs> is what I'm telling you. So like, you know, wide, but not like, don't Google Twilight fan fiction. Or, That's or, not going to go well for you. Or let them, or let them write fan fiction. Uh, yes. And, you know, and again, you, can, you can define right that. Kind. Yes. The age appropriate. One thing that's, that is totally fun in the age of Twitter is that you can reach out to authors or your kids can reach out to authors on Twitter and you don't, you know, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be a Twitter aficionado to send a tweet to an author and say, Hey, I really loved your book. And they'll write back. Like I, I'm, I'm shocked. I wrote to Colson Whitehead after I read the underground railroad, which won the Pulitzer, I think in 2016. And I just, you know, I just sent him a note and he wrote back and he's like, thanks, man. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Called me man. But like, that was unbelievable to man. me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And, and, and so we do live in the stage where you can actually, yeah. I mean, I, I remember as a child writing a letter to Judy Bloom and then like kind of throwing it out because I didn't know where to send it. The, the, <laughs> these people are, are reachable now and you don't have to stalk them or anything. But if your kids, if you have an older kid, who really sparked to something, have them send a note on Twitter because you would be surprised who will write back. Yeah. Or, ju- yeah. And I mean, we wrote a letter, I don't know, when my kid was five to somebody, Tom Hanks or someone from like Pixar movies. You know, it's a, that's a fun thing to do. It's like there are real people out in the world who are creating this stuff. Um, another suggestion somebody said was Highlights Magazine, which my, my daughter got as a um, birthday present from her godmother. And now we just keep renewing it every year because it's the perfect thing to take. Oh, like when we're going to the doctor's office and, you know, you don't have to wait around or or on a plane ride. It's just something besides your phone and the games. Highlights Magazine is like the mafia, though. Once you get in, you're never getting out. No, exactly. You get the the gift of it at some point when you're like four and then you have a Highlights Magazine subscription for the next 25 years. But, you know, these days, magazine subscriptions, I think it's it's $11 a year or something like that. It's no big deal. No, it's it's great. Highlights is great. And they have another one that we love called Puzzle Mania. Oh, which is, um, I think it's by highlights that's, um, puzzles and, and stuff. That's fun. Okay. So let's go through our, our, our main takeaways. I think we, we came up with a ton of good stuff, but I want to like just jam through it all for you, for younger kids. Well, for all kids, we're going to model, model reading. And of course, when we're using our Kindles, make sure they know that they were reading. Um, you, for younger kids, use the bookstore, use the library, let them pick stuff out Use book traps that Nicole suggested, um, and oh, book traps. <laughs> yeah, that's when you just leave them around. The yes, house. yes. And I just this weekend redid the bookshelves in our house, and it took a long time. It was like a three-hour job, but I took out all the old, broken, like board books that are falling apart, and like the top shelf is Magic Treehouse and Dav Pilkey books, and it's books they actually want to read. And so keep them, keeping the books, you know, not letting the bookshelf just become the repository of doom, which happens. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's hard. Believe me. It took me a long, it was my, basically my Saturday. You got to go through them. I mean, gosh, my own bookshelves, I go through them and find ones. I still have books from college that I think, okay, if I really ever need the Theban plays again, I think I can probably find a copy. And, but, <laughs> oh God, exactly. but then you find behind that something like, oh, I really wanted to read this and I never did. And you talk to my husband who like won't get rid of his like MIT textbooks. I'm like, this <laughs> stuff is probably not even relevant yeah. anymore. I will say on that topic, what I was basically doing was redoing my playroom. So now with a nine, seven and five year old, I this weekend changed my playroom over into like a reading room. Like I put a table to write and do art on and a really comfy couch to read on because they're not really playing with Hot Wheels cars anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having a good space where they're happy to read is a great thing. This, this is inspiring me that I should, I should get some of the books off the bookshelves in their room and bring them down to their, to the den where they hang out. Um, uh, but I, what I do do though with my older kids is I get the interesting coffee table books. 
Like there's a book called What If. It's not written for kids, but it's hilarious. It's like what if a um what if like 35 hurricanes all like hit the world at the same time would the you know would there be no more world or like if could you could you send a bottle rocket to space if you really got enough velocity and it really tries to take apart these questions and answer them seriously and it's a books like that are great to sort of leave out leave around even for older kids because they'll pick them up and and breeze through them the hamilton that hamilton book about the making of the musical yeah interesting to dip in and out of and then for older kids our tips are don't be afraid of audiobooks really that's for all ages but yeah but but audiobooks are a great thing to read instead of the book, with the book, after the book, to set reading time on a weekend where that's what you're doing. Yeah, build it in. Encourage them to read articles and magazines and newspapers, sort of model the analog reading. And hey, I, did, I just saw this article about uh, the Jets' new quarterback, and I thought you might be interested in it. Analog reading. I like that. Analog reading. I think this was a really uh, useful episode. I'm going to put yeah, fun. links to all I, of this I, I'm stuff. I'm taking notes. I'm like writing down ambulance series. I have all this stuff <laughs> that I'm picking up. I'm like, you wouldn't want to be. I'm just picking stuff up. I'm learning from you, baby. I'm, gonna, I'm learning and growing. I'm going to put links to all the research we discussed today. But even more importantly, I'm going to put links to all the books that we suggested and our Facebook listeners suggested oh on our gosh. show page. You're going to be busy this week. I know. You're going to go to whatfreshhealthpodcast.com and you're going to be like, amulet. All right. And wonder. Somebody else said this. And you're going to be able to buy some books and you'll be supporting our podcast or and go you'll be getting good books at the same time. Or go to the library with and print oh, out the list right. and bring it. But we have a we have a link. Okay, yeah. Just don't go don't go to the library. The library's closed. These are <laughs> right. Um, right. Okay. So so we want to know what you're doing with your reluctant reader. And you can tell us on our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash what fresh hellcast. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at WFH podcast. You can send us pictures of your kids reading on Instagram. We're also Wet Fresh Hell Cast on Instagram. And as Amy said, you should come to our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com, and check out all the links and stuff we talked about today. That's reluctant readers. Resources. <laughs> uh, that's our episode, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you in one week. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.